Once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Then I jumped on the bandwagon. I'm your host, Aaliyah, and this is Heavy Business, a podcast where we talk to music industry professionals and musicians and learn together about the music industry, marketing, and other tools that can help you promote the music you put so much effort into creating. Hello and welcome. This is Heavy Business. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Curtis. And today we have a returning guest, Natasha Gori from RPM Promotions, right? Mm-hmm, correct. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. We got into some really interesting topics last time. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper this time, kind of in like a less expected forms of press coverage, less traditional mm. forms of press coverage. Um, to start things off, though, uh, we will talk a little bit about reviews, which is kind of what people think of first when they come, when they're like getting their PR and reviews on blogs and magazines and things. So, Natasha, what are some things that bands should remember when it comes to reviews and what they should expect? Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing I feel like artists in general need to remember that when we're when we're talking about press coverage, especially things like reviews that take a lot of time listening to the album over, you know, for the for the journalist in order to make sort of, you know, to write that review, is that a lot of it has to do with timing. I feel like your timing is everything with PR. Um, because if you're coming in too late, a lot of the publications, because you also have to remember that the majority of music journalists and writers don't get paid. Um, and if they do, it's not like they're on a payroll time, right? Unless we're talking about, you know, your big newspapers and whatnot. So I feel like a lot of it has to come down to when you're pitching it. You can't pitch it last minute. It can't be a week before it's out. It's got to be pitched at least like a good month and a half. Um, and I feel like, you know, to give writers that time and to give time in order to pitch it and to follow up and those kinds of things, because you got to remember the biggest thing that, you know, people aren't doing this as their full-time job. So I think that's number one. And number two as well is you've also got to remember that, you know, it's subjective, right? Whatever is being written there is kind of the thoughts of what the writer and the journalist are, you know, that's their opinion. And I feel like, you know, you don't have to go on Twitter and then bash them for it if, if you don't like the review either. I feel like it all comes down to personal opinion. And, you know, even if someone doesn't like it here, it doesn't mean they're not going to like it on this publication. And it doesn't mean your fans don't like it. I feel like, you know what I mean? It's it's very different depending on sort of what a journalist says to what fans think as well. So you always have to remember that it's subjective and not get too caught up on a negative review. Um, and also another thing is if you do end up getting reviews, make sure you share them because there's nothing worse than, you know, a journalist putting a lot of time and a lot of work and a writer into something like that. And then it just doesn't get shared because um, I feel like that goes a long way when you're also putting that out there. Obviously, I know negative reviews, you might not want to share that, but you know, the good ones definitely share those to show your appreciation for the writer. Um, I think those are some some big things for that. I, I want to add a couple of things to that as well. Um, just just uh, as a back backstory here, just just for me on this. Um, I personally used to always say people should share bad reviews or good reviews because all press is good press. I've changed mm-hmm. my mind on that. I've changed my mind on that. I don't think they necessarily should share the bad reviews, like you said. I just want to publicly correct myself on this. Uh, reason it has being, been corrected. 
it has been corrected publicly. But what one thing I do I do also want to point out too um, that I want to emphasize is when you're especially if you're a newer band, even if it's a small publication, make sure you share it. Mm-hmm. because um, some bands will be like, well, I don't really want to share unless it's like a name blog or a name um, magazine or whatever. But when you're starting out, all the reviews look good on your uh, resume or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you share even the small, small uh, blog stuff, it all adds up, makes you look good. This is all what part of what PR is. PR is image. So we're trying to make you look good. So if you make it set, look like you have all these reviews, even if they're small at first, makes you look bigger, makes you look better. Sorry, I just had to jump in and say that. No, you're 100%. I agree 100% on that. Even if it's small, share it, show your appreciation. It's a lot of work. Again, remember, they're usually doing this in their free time because they love music and they want to cover you. So absolutely, sharing it goes a long way, even if it's a small publication. So... I, I kind of feel like I want to I want to bring something up here because I have seen artists recently lashing back at music uh, journalists if their reviews were not only negative but seemed uneducated on the genre that they are playing. Publicly, you're talking or what? Yeah, I'm talking publicly. You okay. know who I'm talking about. Do I? Okay, I'm blanking, but okay. okay. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm sure they, they actually made a YouTube video talking about how um, uneducated the people talking about their uh, review, or p- the people who negatively and uneducatedly <laughs> reviewed. Basically, they ended up, they pulled quotes from the reviews explaining how these don't make sense as a critique of their genre they basically some some of them were almost saying like well this should be less this genre like but that's what genre it is so why are you why is that a criticism of it like so what do you think about that like idea of responding to batting back against um against journalism if it seems poorly done um and this keep in mind is a more well-known musician I would say not like an underground not super underground person right so that one I I feel like it's it can get a little tricky because again like coming back to my point that you know a lot of a lot of the online blogs and that kind of stuff like you know necessarily they might not be journalists that went to school for music specifically and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hard question because it's just like I understand it in the sense that, you know, maybe you shouldn't cover a genre that you're completely out of the dark. But at the same time, it might also come down to somebody who loves all genres and, and love that bit of music. But at the same time, maybe doesn't have an in-depth understanding of that specific genre. I feel like in that sense, it could have been left alone because I feel like the more you share a publication like that, the more eyes it's going to get. I mean, there's a saying that, you know, even online, you know, if you're if you're saying something bad that a million people don't like, there's still going to be half a million people out there that might agree and jump on the bandwagon. Even if you that's not your purpose, you're blasting it. But yet that's still going to grab attention of some people that think otherwise. 
So I feel like if you just kind of leave it alone, I feel like it might, especially if it's a smaller publication, most people might not pick it up. But if you're sharing it specifically, they're going to see it, especially if you're somewhat of a well-known musician. People are going to pick it up and they're going to read it. And also at the same time, I feel like, you know, again, it's someone's opinion and maybe it's a mistake that they made, but I feel like everybody makes mistakes and everybody kind of might screw up a genre here or there. So I feel like there's no need to really make someone feel bad about that specific reason. But I also understand, you know, if you're not, if you're covering a specific genre, you should know a little bit about the genre. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of a toss up. I kind of feel like the band maybe could have emailed the editor quietly rather than blasting it on socials because now everybody sees it. Um, I feel like that's just a better rule of thumb for anything. I feel like maybe just, you know, giving a comment privately, you know, to the editor or to the journalist, I feel like is a, is a much better way to handle it um, rather than blasting it out publicly. Because again, everybody's going to see that bad review because you just, you just put it on blast. So of course people are going to click it and be like, oh, you know, they're curious now. So I guess it just depends on how much you feel like you can um, clap back about stuff like that. Maybe it's just like the person's personality and they feel like they want to say something and if they really want to say something then I think that's like I appreciated it but also I don't think I would do that um no exactly I mean yeah. I I do think that you know if you're gonna you know share a review that maybe necessarily don't like I feel like maybe pointing out things is okay but doing it in a specific way like I feel like you don't have to be mean nobody has to be mean to anybody or anything like yeah, that I feel like but what if the review was mean to begin with? Well, that's true. That's <laughs> true. I mean, the, see, that's hard because it's just like. Because honestly, some journalists are super mean. With they their, are. Some are. The with low their critiques. Yes. Yes, just, he is. <laughs> not just angry metal guy. Angry metal guy. Well, he's got some writers that are pretty angry. He does. He does. Yes. He does. But that's I feel like. That's like their brand. I mean, yeah, you can get upset about them being mean there, but that is their brand. So. It's called angry metal guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, mean, I swear it's kind of like less expected. And it's like, oh, I are you like, trying to be edgy? <laughs> okay. Exactly. And I think, yeah, like it's just all, again, it's opinion. And just because, you know, a certain person doesn't like it or a certain person thinks the diff a certain thing, like it doesn't mean everybody else does. And I mean, I feel like music reviews don't deter me from buying music that I like. I mean, there's a lot of music yeah. I buy that I know is not like amazing music, but I love it. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just just to interject, yeah. I do want to point out that uh, Ronnie Radke is probably the uh, most vilified person in the music industry. And he yeah. sells, what, millions and millions and millions and millions uh, yep. selling out stadiums and shit. So. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned Ronnie Radke because mm. earlier when I had said about like, you know, when you're posting, you know, something, you know, a million people might disagree, but then 500,000, you just gain like 500,000 new fans. That was actually something I heard from a friend of Ronnie's because we had actually touched, oh. talked about him a little bit mm -hmm. um, because back in my day, I'm an emo kid. Uh, just so everybody knows, Escape the Fate, their first album is one of my favorites. I knew you'd like this uh, topic. That's why I brought him up. <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean, Ronnie, I feel like a lot of it's done on purpose. I don't think it's an excuse, but I do think he purposely gets people riled up. I know there are a lot of things that he has said that I personally don't agree with um, at all, but uh, I do feel like people need to keep that in mind that he's purposely trying to get a rise because he knows even if a bunch of people don't agree, there's one or two people he just gained as fans. 
So that's that's the whole reason, I think, for the most part. I did see his interesting little rant he does. He likes to screenshot videos of Palais Royale and share them and like talk about them on Twitter. It's like a really weird thing. And then, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, that kind of stuff, I feel like he does go a little bit overboard. But I mean, I feel like Ronnie's just going to be Ronnie. And I mean, I'm not supporting it, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, I think you just have to keep that in mind. <laughs> him, him and Chris Fronzak are definitely uh, against the uh, normal rules on uh, how to behave online, I think. They but, definitely are. They definitely yeah. are. And I mean, honestly, if it's any indication of sort of, you know, Ronnie's music, I feel like that's not too shocking. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever listened to the lyrics, yeah. like especially yeah. the first album for Falling Into Burst, you know, good girls, bad guys, you know, yeah. or bad guys, good girls, whatever, yeah. you know, anything yeah. like that. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Cool. Um. Now that Moving I've taken on. this totally off to- topic with Ronnie Radke and Chris <laughs> no, Franzek. No, it was on topic. Stop saying that. It was on topic. We're moving on to the next We're going to get Chris Franzak to do a shout out for us on uh, that uh, thing. Off topic. Yeah, um... we're going to do that. <laughs> Just for fun now. Let's move on to talking about... Love that. I'm like, get back on track. Um nope. I'm trying here. I'm trying nope, here, guys. You're happening. doing a great job. Nope, not happening. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, Leah, go ahead. Um, Let's move on to talking about playlisting. Now, this is a topic, I think, it's kind of Nobody a... Likes talking about. Yeah, it's kind of a tough one for musicians because it seems like the only, the only playlists that really matter are the Spotify curated playlists. But do, do you have any insight on on playlisting outside of Spotify curated playlists and if you have any advice on how to get Spotify curated playlists too I'm down to hear it but first on non-Spotify (laughs) absolutely so playlisting definitely is not my expertise but I do know a little bit just from you know talking to different people and you know working at looters where streaming was part of, of what we did although I didn't handle that area but I do remember a little bit. Um, So one of the biggest things I think with non-editorial is most press publications have playlists, which is awesome. So sometimes even if you're coming in last minute, I know myself, sometimes I end up jumping on campaigns last minute a lot later than I hoped. But one of the things that can kind of alleviate the um, last minuteness or, you know, publications maybe not having time or they're bombarded with stuff is pitching for their playlist instead. Because you might not always get an interview, but it's very easy to add a song to a playlist. Um, So I feel like that kind of helps with a lot of coverage. And also on the other end, the more playlists you're added to, the better case it makes for the editorial playlisting. So if you have organic playlists like press playlisting, your friends are adding it to their playlist, you're adding it to your playlist, that helps kind of make your case to, you know, Spotify and Apple to add to those editorial playlists. So I feel like there's a lot of playlists on the press end that people don't utilize, but they are really important, especially when it comes to the number of coverage you're getting. And I mean, you can always put on your one sheet that you were covered in this publication with the playlist as well. So, cause it is a form of coverage. So it adds to that kind of that story as Curtis had touched on before about, you know, you can say that, right. You can add that to your one sheet. Um, so I feel like there's there's two reasons why you should definitely go for press playlisting. I feel like hit them up on that. You know, I feel like a lot of big publications, you know, like Pitchfork, Loudwire, Notfest, they all have playlisting, V13 Media, I could go on. There's a lot all press. 
Um, so there's a lot of different playlists that you could utilize on that end. Um, as well as sort of getting, you know, as many of your followers to add your music to their playlist the day of release um, as well. So that, that encourage them to do that. I feel like that's a good tip as well to help with the editorial. Smart. smart. Um, one question I have for you, Natasha, since you do uh, more of a broad uh, genre wise than we do over here at C Squared. Uh, do you think that there's one type of music or style of music rather that seems to be easier to get? coverage for out of curiosity i do find that the alt rock is right. a little bit on the easier end in canada specifically and i i say canada because as you guys know as you know especially curtis living in canada the media landscape here is very different and the mainstream media mainly covers a few specific genres and you don't unfortunately have the support from the industry here on the underrated genres, like, okay, not that metal is underrated, but it's, it's kind of not as supported as other genres in Canada. So, you know, your metal, your hard rock, your, uh, you know, your electronic synth, your post-punk, all that kind of pop punk, punk emo, all that stuff doesn't get the recognition it does here, uh, that it does elsewhere necessarily. So alt rock in Canada, for sure, the mainstream seems to pick that up a lot easier, any sort of alternative, Anything that kind of has that cool kind of mainstream feel to it seems to do better. Um, I find pop does not do so well at campus radio here, college radio. <laughs> um, campus kind of, because they cover sort of more underground, they won't kind of push pop. Um, but it, yeah, like I feel like alt rock in Canada specifically, I do find though that metal fans and metal editors and writers are a lot more passionate, passionate about the music that they're covering. They do tend to cover it a little bit more often, which is fantastic. And you usually have them requesting interviews a lot, but that's sort of more of the international publications as well. Um, so it just depends, I feel like, which territory you're in um, really will will kind of determine that. Fair enough. Um, what else do you want to cover on playlists? Is that it? No, I mean, yeah, I think that's, <clears throat> I mean, I kind of, I feel like that's, good information to have because I've looked at my band statistics from like playlists that we've done through submit hub or um just in general like I look at those playlists and how many plays we get from it it's not that many so it's like it doesn't seem like it would make that much of a difference but your point being that as many playlists as you can get on really is beneficial statistic to have so exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I feel like the whole playlisting world is very interesting. Um, but yeah, I do feel like the uh, kind of going for that press playlisting does help you because it, you know, it's helped with discovery number one and helps make your case later. Exactly what I had kind of mentioned. And yeah, yeah so it's definitely good, good thing to utilize. Like don't, don't forget it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I think the whole like ha publications having playlists is another thing I didn't even really realize until it was too late, you know, the album was already out, but maybe for the next cycle, we'll keep it. Absolutely. Mind. I feel like go for it because I mean, it's again, like time, if you're talking about time constraints, usually, you know, if they can't fit an interview, they can't do a review or show coverage, they can usually put something on a playlist. So definitely, definitely helps on that end for sure. Right on. So YouTube was the next topic, YouTube coverage. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes this gets put on the back burner for, um, like indie bands don't really think of it as much. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do when they do and they reach out to people 
uh, like YouTubers, sometimes the YouTubers are accommodating and, you know, sometimes they make them pay like $300. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, what's important um, about the YouTube world as I feel like YouTube is such a, it's still such a discovery platform for bands. So can you speak a little bit on the, what you think about uh, YouTube coverage for bands? Absolutely. So I do think YouTube is a great, uh, like platform to utilize coverage on. Um, so if you're talking about sort of the traditional kind of the YouTubers that do sort of the music reviews and the music interviews and that kind of thing, a hundred percent, they're incredibly beneficial. They grow a lot faster and they, I find that they get a lot more eyeballs if they're cross promoted correctly, um, which a lot of the YouTube people that do that full time do have great numbers compared to necessarily, you know, a, a online publication that might not have as many hits. Um, but when we're talking about YouTubers that might, they might delve into music, but they also might focus on something else. Like maybe it's movies, maybe it's Star Wars, maybe it's, uh, they really love the band Rush. I feel like a good kind of pointer is you always have to bridge it to what they focus on. So you have to find some sort of connection. For example, like right now I'm pitching um, an artist who's heavily involved in gaming. Um, his album comes out on Friday, but he is, uh, the whole album aesthetic has to do with gaming. So one of the things I'm pairing with, and mental health as well. So one of the things that I'm pairing is gaming, music, mental health is kind of how I'm, you know, going towards that. It's a bit of an escape on both ends, gaming, music, um, and they go hand in hand. So there's I'm always something. I already, Natasha, tell, tell us who it is afterwards and maybe we can have them on. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm just interested now. I'm sorry, Aaliyah. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries. So basically, I've been kind of pitching these publications on, you know, the escapism of gaming, right? Because gaming is an escape just as much as music is. I don't know about you guys, but music's always been my escape when things are, you know, awry. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. So kind of bridging those two things, I feel like is really interesting. It's a way people to escape. A lot of people do that via gaming and a lot of people do that. It's all to do with mental health. So I feel like using that as sort of your anchor to then pitch that is a way to kind of gauge the interest. I think there was another one I had done a year ago. Um, we were pitching based on, uh, there was a musician who loved Rush. Um, so we were pitching on Rush's anniversary. I think it was a new beer they had come out with. Um, so we were kind of trying to pair it that way. Or there's even, you know, Star Wars with the Obi-Wan Kenobi, Disney, trying to, you know, we had the musicians that were big Star Wars fans. Um, so kind of trying to bridge it in that way. You know, there's a new series coming out for Star Wars. So let's, you know, base it on the series because this artist likes Star Wars and this cover, this YouTube channel covers Star Wars. Um, so you can do a lot of different things with it. Um, and I do feel like it's really, it's a cool platform to utilize, especially when we're talking about more of that lifestyle interest, because I feel like, you know, a lot of the interviews are the same if we're talking about a release, right? It's about the album, who wrote it, you know, those kinds of questions, which are great. But I feel like if you're a band that kind of has a fan base already, they they probably know that. So to keep their interest into the interview is to get something that's a little bit more off the cuff, maybe a little bit on the fun end, which has to do with something completely different. Obviously, they still do address the music because that's the whole point we're doing this. But it, yeah, I feel like that helps the fans that you have as well keep interested. And it's a little bit fun for the artist as well because it's not the typical interview, right? Um, so I feel like it, it kind of hits that in a couple different ways. And it's just interesting, you know, to have an artist on, you know, a Star Wars YouTube channel 
Um, I feel like it just kind of gives a little bit of an interesting element to it that you wouldn't see normally. So it kind of helps kind of get that pick up as well. I love it. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, moving on to podcasts. Can we bring up like one more thing us. on YouTube? 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 Well, hurry yeah. up and YouTube. ask it, dude. Well, it's not going to ask. I'm going to say something. That's not a question. It's okay, a well, statement. Say it. It's a statement. Um, one thing I was going to point out about YouTube for the listeners here, uh, a common question is how do you find YouTubers and how to reach out to them? So two tricks I found uh, that seem to work. Well, obviously, you can look for their email address under the, you know, the uh, check for the email address part under the about section, which is a big fat dough a lot of people don't even think about. Uh, but usually as well, uh, it's a little pro tip, which Natasha and Aaliyah probably will go like, yeah, that's obvious, but a lot of bands don't think it is. Find their Instagram and send them a DM. That's how you find them if you can't find an email address. Just wanted to give that pro tip there because it is so obvious, yet most people, a lot of people don't even think about it. Well, and so often we tell bands not to reach out to journalists via social media. You shouldn't, but if you cannot find a different. contact, yeah, if you yeah. can't find a contact anywhere, I don't think that's a problem. I don't, I won't, don't say pitch yourself. I'm saying like, hi, reach out I'm and Joe, ask for their email. Yeah, hi, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, not a journalist. I'm a PR or hi, I'm a band. Can I, can I uh, send you my album or you know pitch you? Can you give me your email address type of thing? That's all I do. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I've done that myself a few times, you know, it's public if you don't have contact. I do it all. Yeah, yeah. I do it all the time. Yeah. Um, and that's a great way. I mean, usually 90% of the time you get a response and you get an email. So yeah, it is a good way to utilize and definitely the about um, on YouTube. That's actually somewhere that I go if if I can't find contact information on the website. Yep. I usually will if they have a YouTube, I'll go on it just to see if there's a if there's an email there, even if I'm not looking for YouTube specifically. Sometimes that's how I find contact. Pro tips, everybody. Obvious, but pro <laughs> tips. Nobody thinks of them. Not even joking. Or the about on Facebook, too. Sometimes that'll have... Usually it's an info email, but yeah. sometimes you'll luck out. Yeah. And same thing with uh, Twitter, too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes yeah. they'll have it on there. Yep. Yeah. Very good way to look for contacts is, is pulling up the social media, because sometimes they've, yeah. they've left your contact in there. Yep. Because contact pages, we all know those don't. Don't even Here's, fucking go there. I just found yeah. <laughs> a email that we've been looking for that by using this method. That you and I have been looking for, Aaliyah? Yes, sir. Wow, and I didn't even oh. think about it. Okay. Back, back on track, Aaliyah. Back on track. What's next? Back on track. What yeah. is next is... Let me close this email draft. That's... Podcasts is next. Podcasts is next. So... Let's not talk about it for hours because we have like five more things to talk about after. Okay, half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, are podcasts something that you guys utilize uh, in your PR? And what do you think about that? Uh, Absolutely. That Absolutely. So podcasts are one of the kind of core things that we focus on, you know, websites, you know, along with your podcast and your web TV and your print and, and all that nice stuff. Um, there are podcasts about everything and anything. <laughs> so that's a really great way to kind of not only get your traditional kind of interviews, but also kind of go that lifestyle route. Um, there are also a lot of really big kind of podcast networks as well. So that kind of helps as well if you can figure out who kind of the editor of that podcast network or the person who's in charge of it, because that will save you a lot of pitching to individuals because they can kind of help you out on that end. 
Um, and you know, things like I heart. That they was have a light bulb entire... moment for me, Natasha. I didn't even think about that. I usually go one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No worries. I mean, listen, it's, it's not, not all of them, unfortunately have that, but. but, no, but there's a, a few, there's a few. There's a though. few. Yeah. There's, there's a one that I recently got in touch with as well. So I'm just kind of working with them. It's called them um, sound off. So they have a bit of a podcast network. They have Brian T or Tobin tonight, Dean Blundell. They have a bunch. So that one's really cool. Check that guy out. Um, and, um, then there's, you know, iHeartRadio, they have an entire podcast network. CBC has a podcast network. A lot of campus radio stations have podcast networks as well, or podcasts. My God, this. I didn't even think about half these things. You were, you were like feeding <laughs> me here. Good. I'm happy that I could help. <laughs> um, but definitely a hundred percent and podcasts are also a little bit easier. I feel like to set up for the artist because usually they can be done via phone as well. So if an artist is on the road, that helps. Um, and there are a lot of, you know, kind of old uh, radio guys that are no longer in the radio world who have podcasts like Podcast Podcast, Todd Hancock, he's fantastic, Jason Rockman has his Rockman Power Hour. Um, so there's a lot of really big people that do have podcasts, and there's a lot of small ones, and then there's the in-between that are really fun, and anything, you can find a topic about anything, Mean Girls, whatever you want, it's there. <laughs> I love Mean Girls, that's such yeah, me classic. <laughs> there's a... I'm trying to think there's a podcast. Uh, I forget the name of it now, but basically on those types of movies. And I, I love that one. I haven't listened to it in a while, but I should I should probably Ugh. find out what it is. <laughs> if you find it, send it to me so I can check I will. it out too. <laughs> I will, 100%. <laughs> I got one last thing I want to go over on podcasts too, just for uh, everybody. Um, another thing, when you're trying to uh, find podcast information, another pro tip on that is to also look on YouTube for that podcast because a lot of them cross-pollinate. And if you mm -hmm. don't find the contact in, uh, forget the name of it. If you can't find the contact, go to YouTube. Sometimes you can find stuff there. And again, Instagram, you can sometimes find the contact. Just had to get that commercial. Absolutely. Yeah, I do find podcasts sometimes can be a little tricky because they'll be on Apple or, you know, the Spotify or the Mixcloud, which doesn't have an email. <laughs> so I, I've my, there are plenty of podcasts I've tried to find the contact and I just, I can't find it anywhere. It's unfortunate, but yeah. Social's good tool. Usually you'll find something. Excellent. Excellent. Moving on, I'm going to do this nebulous topic and it kind of has a few different platforms within it, but influencers in general. Mm -hmm. We got, you got your Twitch, you got your Instagram, TikTok. Well, wait, Twitch is a, a different, is a whole separate category though, isn't it? Not just influencers. I mean, I mean it's it kind it's, it's kind of crossover in my mind, but I guess. I don't know. Uh, is Twitch something that you guys tap into in your experience, Natasha? It, depending on the project, um, I feel like I haven't been able to go in depth down the Twitch hole in terms of what's there, but I do know Twitch can be a really cool way to kind of really engage with your audience, right? Um, to, you know, sit in, I think, feel like this is something that a lot of artists don't think of is that your fans are number one. Like if you're trying to kind of make a name for yourself, I say, number one, focus on your fans instead of starting out of the gate to, you know, hire, you know, a bunch of promo, which is great. Like, I don't want to put myself out of a job here, but I do feel like focus on your fans, build that fan base. Cause that's going to help you everywhere down the road. And one of the ways to do that is Twitch. Because there you can really engage with them. You can talk to them directly. You can make them, you know, make the fans feel like you you want to hear from them. 
which is a really big thing because the more people you engage that way, the more they tell their friends, the more they tell their family. And, and still the best form of marketing, I think, I believe is word of mouth. Um, and and that's a, Twitch is a great platform to do that with, is to really connect their fan base. But beyond that as well, is a lot of journalists or a lot of writers also do Twitch. So for example, I know Daniel DK, not fest. He also does Banger TV. He has a Twitch channel, which he has guests on. I think it's Herman Lee as well. He has a, a Twitch channel, which he live streams playing guitar, which he's had other artists on as guests. Um, and so you can really utilize that on the press end as well, because there are journalists that do that on top of it. Um, so it's a platform, great platform all around to get started on your own and to get coverage. The one thing I That's hate about point. Twitch, though, the one thing I hate about Twitch is like, you cannot prove that you got them coverage unless they have. Oh, I know. Link. Unless they have yeah. it checked off. Yeah. Which is annoying yeah. because there's no yeah. link. There's no. Yeah. 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 I hate that part. But otherwise, it's good because we've gotten plenty of coverage on Twitch. And then later, it's like, we can't prove it, but it happened. So <laughs> it happened. It, yeah, yeah. Like I've seen artists do some cool things. Like I think it was Grayscale a couple of years ago did a hockey watch party on Twitch, which was really interesting. Oh, there's cute. like, there's like, yeah, there's a bunch of different things you can do with the platform. Um, you could do watch parties, like I just mentioned, or, you know, jam along, you know, doing covers. You could, yeah, there's so many different things you can do with that platform to really yeah. engage people. And it's not really something that PRs can pitch for, but there are a lot of channels that do like music video reactions. And mm -hmm. that's really something that has to be recommended by their fans. But yeah, yeah, it's something that you can think of. You know, I know Vicky Sarakis, she does video reactions and you can go in there and you can even pay money to bump your video to the top. And, you know, here I'm- Chris Fronzak does that too, just so you know, if you ever want to do it with children. There you go. Uh, Chris Fronzak, I'm sure he would love symphonic metal. I would pay to watch that video. I'm just saying. Oh man, he'd be like, this is so boring. Yeah, I, 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 I would pay to watch that video. Anyways, I feel like that's the breakdown? A, agreed. I feel like that's a disclaimer for bands. Though, if you do that, be prepared for a bad one that you might not like. Um, yeah, if they're know. not into your genre, just, you know, be aware. Yeah, I mean, I've had before where... You know, we were pitching for YouTube reviews, not Twitch. Uh, it's a little bit kind of on topic, but off topic. Um, and uh, yeah, we were really worried that they might get a bad review. And see, that usually comes back on the public list because you pitched it, you know. So it can be it can be a bit of a disclaimer for everybody. If you are doing that, just be prepared. They might not like it. Yeah. And a lot of times they're really honest on Twitch. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So just just be aware of that. And you know, if you are pitching it and if you are spending money, that it doesn't mean you'll get a good one. Um, it's still their opinion. So, yep. It's a word of wisdom. Yep. <laughs> so, exactly. Sorry. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Let's move into TikTok because I know we got a bit to say about TikTok. Um, <laughs> Maybe we Let, let's talk about TikTok. let's talk about how you got a million views first, Aaliyah, because I know you like talk about this every <laughs> single time. Every single time TikTok comes up. I, I have to, I'm sorry. It was just the right clip with the right it's part awesome. of the song, with the right yeah. lighting on the singer that made everybody be like, everybody be like, OMG, that dress. OMG, this song. OMG, she looks like a hex girl from Scooby-Doo. OMG. You can like, now sell seminars like on this. Like so many yeah, with things that, with cross pollinated. Like <laughs> so many, the comments were like five different topics, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of, um, a lot of discussion. 
Yes. And then of course the prompt in the, in the video as well, which was like your first time he hearing symphonic metal. So everybody's commenting their favorite symphonic metal bands yep. and then other people engaging who are also fans of those bands. And in the meantime, they're all fans of our genre that are hearing our music. And we gained so many fans from that. That's the story. Just gotta, Love I it. just gotta say it. I just gotta say it. I'm sorry. Sorry. Genius. I Genius. gotta figure out a way to whittle that down to two 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 minutes or like 30 seconds or something. 15 seconds in honor of TikTok. Um there you go. <laughs> Natasha. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about TikTok in general, general usage first, and then maybe we can talk about collaborating with influencers. Mm -hmm. So what do you think are the best ways that bands can utilize TikTok on their own? And what are the most important things to remember? Number one, I think, is searchability. So make sure you are one of the first results that come up when people type that in. So uh, this is something that I, I just from some like tips and tricks videos that I found on YouTube. <laughs> um, one of the things was to put your genre in your like, not your handle, but you know how there's like a little name bio thing that you can update? is I kind of put your genre in there. So when people are searching that type of music, you're going to be the first one of the first people that come up. Uh, but beyond that as well, I think like just in general, even if you're not a musician, um, I feel like consistency, number one, and when you're posting is what I mean by that. So, you know, if you're, if say, if you work throughout the week, you want to post Monday to Friday, but then you want the weekends off, take the weekends off every week. Don't just then go and post on a Saturday, like make sure you're consistent on the same time, same day, because that does go a long way on TikTok with the algorithm. Um, on top of that is don't try. I know a lot of people, TikTok's very fast. So people put up a lot of videos, but I feel like go with your pace. Like don't start out trying to do three TikToks a day. That's clearly too much. And if you can't keep that up, then that's just going to hurt your algorithm in the end anyway, because it's not consistent. So, you know, pick those, you know, five, three days a week and, and stick with those and try to upload every single day, the days you've chosen um, at those times. And I feel like that will really help because people begin to expect it. And it's kind of the same with Twitch as well. I feel like Twitch streamers try to, you know, do the same, same time every week um, because it's a big thing. People come to expect that. So, so that's what they kind of keep following you for. And also it helps with the algorithm. Um, don't just post when you're about to release something. Keep it going. Thank because you I for feel saying like that's a big thing. And that's all platforms. <laughs> Because there's a few reasons for this, because if you stop posting altogether, it's going to ruin your algorithm and you're starting from scratch when you do have to go release music again. So make sure you're keeping that going. And I feel like a big thing as well with TikTok specifically is don't just necessarily post your music. I feel like, again, we kind of touched on this when we were talking before, uh, just amongst us, but kind of marry that with other interests that might pique people that might get people to watch. So your lifestyle interests, for example, uh, maybe you're really like hockey, you turn that into sort of something that you also do music and hockey. Maybe you really love, uh, you know, doing funny things, pair that with your TikTok because people are more like, are gonna be more interested because they wanna hear about you on top of the music as well. They wanna learn about who you are. They wanna be brought into your world and that's why they wanna follow you, right? Cause they connected to something on that end. Um, so I feel like that kind of helps and also kind of, I know a lot of artists don't want to do the trends, but I feel like try to marry the trends as authentic to you as possible and try to do them once in a while. I'm not talking 
you know, do them all the time and only the trends, but try to hop on the ones that make sense um, and uh, do them most authentic to you because that's going to help as well kind of bring you at the top of any kind of searches and things like that. Um, so yeah, don't discount them. I know people kind of scoff at the TikTok trends, but there's a reason that they do go viral um, because that's what people are interested in. So try to marry both your music and the trends in your lifestyle together uh, when you're creating content. So you were mentioning before uh, you're, you have a success story with Braiding King. Um, mm. And what were, I wanted to ask, like, what were the kind of ingredients that went into that, that success? Yeah. So part of it, uh, I mean, this part I can't take credit for, but Brayden is incredibly tall. I know this seems like a weird statement, but he is six, nine. So we've that's been, really tall. He is very uh, tall. Did you say tall. the right height? Six, nine, six, nine. He's six, nine. He's, we were branding him as Canada's tallest country singer. Um, There's no which doubt that's us. the case. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of helped us a little bit on TikTok as well. Uh, so kind of keeping that as a common thread and some really fun content we have coming up. I've got him want like standing next to really funny things when he's on tour that are really short and then showing him next to some really tall stuff. It kind of is just a little bit of a play on that. But some of the things that we were able to kind of do is kind of playing on the fact that he's really tall and really bridging, putting him in sort of the same context as like other country music stars like Luke Combs and, and, uh, Dallas Smith and you know all those kinds of artists and having him do like sort of his own playlist on the platform like oh if you really like this band you like this band you like this band you're gonna like us I feel like a lot of it is sort of framing yourself and also kind of getting yourself in front of those audiences as well um kind of trying to bridge that um and we've also focused on sort of where he's from a video that did really well I think it got over 40,000 in like less than a couple hours He's from Saskatchewan, so he came, we did this funny video where uh, it was just like really weird random facts that people wouldn't know about Saskatchewan, um, and it took off uh, as well. So kind of tapping into that kind of more fun-based stuff on top of the music and kind of using those things that make you unique and really highlighting them on the platform. So for Braden, it's he's tall and he loves country music, um, and he does a really a lot of really fun covers. Um, and for, you know, another band, it might be that they really love, um, Converse sneakers and they want to shout that off to the world or something. And that they pair that with their TikTok content because there's a common thread there, right. That kind of brings it all together. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I'm going to say it because I think it's helpful to identify it for what it is. Sometimes it's about, about tapping into the consumerism. Mm-hmm. that exactly. kind of is such a big part of the internet um, people want to be able to buy a thing or um, yeah really just buy a thing to make them connected to the artists that they like and stuff like that so yeah finding a thing like a brand like converse or like connecting to a, a movie franchise or a game or something like that these are things that kind of play into that consumerism is that fair to say? Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's exactly kind of, I've been saying it as lifestyle, but what, the way you're seeing it is way better. Um, you're, you're correct. Yeah, I think like bridging it with that consumerism is exactly, I feel like the way to go about it. And it kind of helps with that formulaic kind of of TikTok as well, right? Um, and, and I think I've read somewhere, I want to say it was like a year or two ago, but I think it's like 70% of TikTok users have bought something from the platform. It's like the highest conversion rate platform so if you are looking to sell merch if you really like converse 
try to get yourself on some Converse and make some fun videos out of it and sell them. <laughs> nice. Good idea. <laughs> so influencers on TikTok, is this something that you've uh, played around with at all or know anything about? Yeah. 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 So I've worked with that. So when I first started kind of working on that end, it was a little bit more like the wild west because I didn't, I was reaching out to people individually and, you know, you get some influencers who have 2000 followers that were like, yeah, sure. Well, I'll charge you 50 bucks to do it. Or, and then you'd get influencers who have a thousand that are like, oh, it's going to cost $2,000. Like there was no in between. There was no way to gauge it and trying to get their attention to use the videos was, was a bit of a bit of a task. But what I found that might help for artists is to look for the TikTok management agencies and get in touch with them because they're all of those TikTokers are on their roster. So then you can go to them and say, hey, this is the campaign I want to do. This is how much I have. This is the kind of music. And then usually that management agency will work with you. Like, okay, here are the influencers that were, this is how much they cost. Here are the ones that we think fit with your kind of music. So that's actually something that I found really helps. And it saves a lot of time because going at it individually is is quite a quite a task and you never know what you're going to get back or even if you get responses <laughs> um but i think another really important thing with going for tiktok influencers is to find someone who has a commonality with you again like what we were just talking about like maybe it's that person really loves um you know barbie you really love barbie your music's about barbie um uh, you know that's a good influencer to hit up right because you, a lot of things make sense if they're an influencer that you're a metal band the influencer you see really loves metal I feel like that's somebody's help. Like, don't try and, you know, pitch somebody who only dances to pop music on something heavy. I feel like that's a big thing because usually they won't cover it unless they're getting paid a lot of money. I feel like there's a price for everything, but also you want to get in front of the right audience. Um, so I feel like that's yeah. the, the main thing. Yeah. What do you mean these, like, is this something, is this like trade secret? Like, what are you talking about when you talk about these TikTok management agencies? Is this yeah, like a so trade secret? <laughs> No, 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 no. So there are a few. So there's one I like to use a lot. They're called them. Um, they're through Image Emotion. They're actually based mainly out of Montreal. Um, but they have a TikTok leg of their company called Henry, which they manage different TikTok artists. They have quite a big roster. There are a few more as well. If you kind of, I'm trying to think of the other ones, like um, there's Margot at um, the agency. She does really good work. Um, and there's a few different ones. If you Google kind of different influencer agencies, usually those will come up and I've had conversations with, with quite a few of them. I mean, I haven't worked on that end in a few months now, but, um, just because I haven't had the right project, uh, because influencers are one thing I'll touch on is they are expensive. Um, and that's something you definitely have to consider, uh, when doing that, because again, like the influencers that do have say a million followers, especially if you're going through these agencies, are probably going to quote you at at least a thousand or more. Um, so that's something that you definitely have to have to consider. Um, but yeah, Google the agencies and, and kind of look at that, get in contact with them. And then anytime you have a project, you can reach out to them and be like, hey, this is what I have. Do you have anyone that makes sense? Um, and usually they do, because usually they have quite a quite a big roster. And they work with kind of music from all labels. They work with, you know, people of all different backgrounds and, and in, Instagram influencers as well and all that kind of stuff. So you'll find them kind of all in the same place. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're kind of over time already, but let's move on and wrap things up with this final topic that you suggested is a really good idea to talk about this. And we're talking internet radio stations and 
why are these like something and are, I don't even know how to frame this question apparently, but it's kind of something that I think it does get looked over a lot. So what do you think is important? Why is this valuable? How can people utilize this? What are your thoughts? Yeah. So I know a lot of the time when artists are trying to book shows, a lot of the time what will, what comes up is usually radio play. And as we know, sort of, especially in Canada specifically, radio is a very narrow type market. There's only a few sounds that they deal with and that's it, especially more so in Canada, like in the U.S., for example, Motionless and White, I think, had number one uh charting song at Active Rock this past year. In Canada, that would never happen. There's not a radio station in Canada that would play heavy music um, on that end. So that's just a big difference, especially here. But a way to kind of help get around that, I mean, you won't get on the radio charts by any means, but a way to kind of get that radio play. There are a lot of internet radio stations that cover all genres. There are ones that cover metal specifically. I think there's Give Me Radio. They do a lot of different interviews with like Metal Blade and like that kind of stuff. And they also do a lot of metal. There's Hard Rock Nights with Brian Basher. There's Loaded Radio with Scott Penfold. That's an internet radio station as well. And then, of course, uh, the biggest one I think that I work with a lot of the time, which is Adobe Radio, uh, who are actually based out of the U.S. But they all play radio. You, They do the same kind of thing as a normal radio station, but they do cover the underserved genres. That's kind of an extra way to get the coverage. And usually they will as well promote shows on air um, and any kind of ticket giveaways and that kind of stuff. So it's just another element of getting your music out there and get it broadcasted. Otherwise, the commercial radio stations only do a specific, only work with specific sounds and they're extremely competitive. Um, so that's just, yeah, it's just kind of an extra coverage. You can get your song added um, and into a rotation um, in front of those specific fans that like those genres as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's all I have. Curtis, do you, did I forget anything? Natasha, probably, did I forget but, anything? I, but I'm guessing you're probably uh, needing to uh, eat or something. So uh, I'm going to refrain for now. All right. Are you, like, I do have some time if you want to ask anything. I'm, I, yeah, okay. Well, I got one last question. Okay. Yeah. This is one last question. Well, one last kind of collaborative type of question, I guess, is what it is, since it's going to involve the both of you guys. Um, Okay, I'm gonna go with Nat Natasha first, since since you're the guest of the uh, guest of the evening. Which don't put air quotes around that. She is the guest. Well, we're all guests. We all we're all answering the questions. So I'm an honorary like... member of the team. She, yeah, the she's case. an honorary member of the <laughs> that's team. That's true. Fair. That's what it is. So yeah, okay, so let's say that a band is coming to you to get PR. Well, I know you work for a company, so they wouldn't be coming to you directly. But you know what I mean. So mm -hmm. you're about to start a campaign. Um, and they want to go outside of the traditional route with reviews and stuff like that. They're not sure where they want to go, what they want to do. They just want to get maximum coverage. Uh, let's say they are an alternative band, since you said they, they're easiest to get coverage in, in Canada. Um, so they're an alternative rock band. Who, uh, Which one of the channels are you going to start hitting up first to get the maximum coverage? Which one are you going to go after? YouTube, podcasts, TikTok, Instagram. What are you going to go after if they do that to you? Right. So the first and foremost is usually podcasts and okay. YouTube. I kind of do those in tandem because I find a lot of the people who do the YouTube also do. A lot of people who have podcasts also put them on YouTube. So it kind of goes hand in hand. 
So those, I kind of start looking through the different podcast networks and I start going through my database. Okay. What lifestyle, what kind of podcast can I pair this musician up with? Um, which usually when I'm collecting assets from the band, along with the music and the bio, I'll give them a lifestyle questionnaire. So I have that information um, of what kind of things we're interested in and that kind of stuff that we can go beyond that. Um, and as well as sort of who is the best kind of talkative person and stuff like that for those kinds of interviews. Um, so usually I'll go through those first. And then from there, the TikTok end, it really depends on sort of their campaign like does it make sense like if they're into something like I don't know I'm trying to think uh it really depends on what they're interested in so for example um we have an like the gaming thing that I brought up earlier like that artist is a huge gamer and they play a lot of Final Fantasy they have high scores they have stuff like that so that's an easy one that I can go to those podcasts for because he is really interested in it. If it's someone who's lukewarm on something, like, yeah, sure, they like fashion. I mean, I can't really, there's not much there I can pitch a fashion publication on to convince them if they just like it. You know what I mean? I get it. So it really depends on the artist and it really depends on the comfortability. Sometimes if we're talking about doing Instagram lives and stuff like that, that's number one as well to find out if they are okay with doing that kind of stuff. Because sometimes they're not. Because the worst thing is to get someone on, a, on an Instagram live with, say, a big influencer and it's awkward. You know what I mean? So they have I've to never had that happen. Them. Never, never had really? that happen with a client. Never. I'm joking. Of course. Of course. Okay. I was going to say. <laughs> of course. A lot. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So stuff like that, you have to just make sure that it makes sense for the artist. Yeah. Um, and they have to have something that they really like. Like, it can't just be like, eh, yeah, sure. I like that. It's got to be like you are in it because you have to be able to really talk about this subject. Um, so, yeah, that's the first step is going after the podcast and, and YouTubers. I love it. So I wanted to ask a band member this question since uh, uh, it pertains. To, so Aaliyah, as a band member, so um, Natasha's your publicist now. I've been fired, and um, you've you've left C squared apparently, and you're not you're now with Natasha. Uh, so, what would you, as a band member, uh, be wanting your PR to be doing? Uh, to get you in, into different places other than just reviews, if that makes sense. Like, what would like what would be your questions? Like, what like what do you what what would you say to them? Like, your question is like not a question. <laughs> no, I'm trying to find. Okay, like I'm just trying to say, like, okay, so you get a publicist. Like, what are my band. questions to the publicist? Like, what like no, like what are you going to ask them to do to get to Give get me as much spots. coverage as possible no i know but what are you what are you aiming for is what i'm saying you want the podcast you want the youtubes you want what do you want yeah here? i would like, do i would like be what, open like what I, do you as a band member want when these types I'm of i'm too things? laid back of a person to ask this question to i'd be like anything i'm down for whatever like you do a podcast interview i'll do a youtube interview i'll do a twitch interview like what, whatever. what would you want to do the most out of all these out of all these different things so natasha is now your publicist what is she aiming for for you? This is a pointless question. Like, really, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Curtis, but it. like, honestly, I'm like, Fine. anything is good with Fine. me. You're no good on this one. Then never mind. I'm not the right person to ask. I'm not particular. Fine. I know some people prefer written interviews, like our vocalist prefers written interviews. Um, for me, I'm open minded and like to do whatever I want but that is something that bands should communicate to their PR if they have a preference um, and they don't they really don't like talking 
like speaking to strangers, for example, if you're like a really, really extreme introvert and you prefer to think out your words really well and do written interviews, then that's something you should probably let your publicist know ahead of time. Absolutely, because, oh, sorry, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, would you as a band member be okay with Natasha pitching like the Lord of the Rings stuff? You're also interested in other things. Like I know you... Like, I know that you're uh, interested in other genres of metal and stuff like that. And you also got your other hobbies that you do. If she thought it was appropriate, then yeah. With the Lord of the Rings thing, I, I'm i not so tapped into, like, the consumerist side of things. It's like, yeah, I like every every other year we will have a marathon or something and we'll watch all the movies. And I like sharing Lord of the Rings memes. But I don't collect the figurines. I don't, like, have a bunch of different merch i don't i only have one copy of the extended versions of the blu-ray like Uh it's like so how much of a collector am i how much of an obsessed person am i i'm not sure how much i could help with that trivia i could do probably but because here because here's because here's where i have a problem natasha i keep cutting you off i'm sorry no 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 no. you go ahead i've had it where we've tried to pitch bands for some of these specialized interests and they go like i just want to talk about the music I, I get that sometimes and definitely again like kind of you want to make sure the artist wants to do it because otherwise it can yep. get a little awkward especially if we're talking about doing live stuff on Twitch and whatnot like yep. you know they it has to be good but usually if it's someone who wants to focus on music specifically usually I'll find something maybe it's ear related um, maybe it's talking about instruments on that end uh, sometimes that can help um, or, you know, writing track by tracks and, and you know, stuff like that, like those I little things yeah, you yeah. can do. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's hard. And I mean, again, like the lifestyle stuff like that is sort of more of if it makes sense for the artist. I mean, I try to always get that kind of stuff because there are some publications that have emailers based on that kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of easy, easy stuff that we can kind of take. But if it's something where I'm pitching for like Instagram collabs and stuff like that, like that's got to be a big interest because otherwise you can't convince the other person to do it for free anyway. <laughs> you said exactly like, what I wanted you to say. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> so a lot, sometimes I've had like people come back when they want thousands and thousands of dollars. So, you know, on that end, you know, to convince them to do it for free, you got to be interested. You got to have something that they want to talk to you about. So it really depends on the artist. Um, I think that's all I got, Aaliyah. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have. So thank you again <laughs> for coming on the podcast again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I mean, I always enjoy talking to you guys. So well, I will have great. to have you back. Absolutely. So when you're in Chicago, correct? Yeah. If you're ever in Toronto, let me know. Curtis, okay. I know you're in Cambridge, but if, if, next if she comes to show... Toronto, she's visiting me before she visits you. <laughs> yeah, no. it's it's a requirement. Sorry. This is a requirement. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but if you're ever in town for a show or anything like that, Curtis as well, like if you're ever in Toronto for a show, let me know. We should grab a drink or or coffee or tea or go to the show or whatever. I'm, I'm so down. I've hung awesome. out with Natasha. She's good to hang out with. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I try. I'm super lame. future. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And everyone listening, thank you for listening. And until next time, you know what to do. Make like a bull and throw those horns up. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by following or subscribing to us, recommending it to your friends, or leaving us a review on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Heavy Business, brought to you by C-Squared Music.